You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we review the T20 International Series between Australia and the West Indies. It's the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast, and let's get started. Let's have a look at the results from this T20 International Series between Australia and the West Indies. The first T20 International was played at Metricon Stadium. Australia won by three wickets, and Aaron Finch was named Player of the Match. The second and final T20 International was played at the Gabba, and Australia won by 31 runs, and David Warner was named Player of the Match. Australia won the series 2-0, and David Warner was named Player of the Series. Let's have a look at Australia's performance with both bat and ball in this T20 International Series against the West Indies, and talk about their performance in the T20 International Series overall. Um, It was a very mixed bag from Australia in this T20 Series against the West Indies in these two games. Um, A very scrappy performance from Australia in Game 1, and then a much refiner performance in Game 2. Um, so let's talk about the batting. Let's have a look at the batters and how they performed in this short series against the West Indies for Australia. Uh, Warner was the leading run scorer for Australia with 89 runs. Finch, 73. Wade, 55. David, 42. Smith, 17. Green, 15. Mitchell Marsh with 3. And Maxwell with 1. That's how the Australian batters went about things in this short T20 series against the West Indies. Now, as I said, it was a bit scrappy in parts, this batting performance from Australia in the two games. Um, Let's start off with game number one. In game number one, they were chasing 146 runs. The West Indies set Australia 146 runs to win. Australia got over the line just, winning by three wickets, and finishing on 7 for 146 from 19.5 overs. The match went to the last ball of the uh, of the match, really. It went down to the wire. In the end, Australia got over the line, all thanks to another superb innings from Matthew Wade, the finisher for Australia in this T20 side, and he's getting the job done. He certainly got the job done in Game 1. Now, the batting was poor from Australia in Game 1. They had a, another batting collapse. How many times we associate that with Australia? Batting collapses. It's not a word that you want to hear all the time as a batting unit. Um, So Australia lost 5 for 58 inside 7.5 overs in this first game. Uh, That was helped by poor shot selection from some of the batters. And it was pretty poor batting. It was a pretty difficult surface at Metricon Stadium up in the Gold Coast. Um, The pitch was a bit too paced, a bit sticky, um, and a bit difficult to get in and get set on. But once you got in, runs were to be scored. And definitely Australia were able to score runs after that collapse. Um, Aaron Finch and Matthew Wade combined to put on 69 for the sixth uh, wicket uh, when Australia were in trouble. And those two were going to get Australia over the line. And uh, it looked likely that that partnership uh, was going to be the deciding factor. Unfortunately for Australia, Aaron Finch got out for 58 a very good half century from Aaron Finch. Um, he batted at number four in that uh, first game of the series because of Steve Smith being left out 
and it could be a possible um, sort of option for Australia going forward in the T20 World Cup that, you know, they'll probably have someone different at number four rather than Steve Smith. Maybe Aaron Finch may not open from time to time and probably bat at number four. We shall see what happens there. But when Aaron Finch departed, Australia was six for 127 from 17.1 overs and Australia was still in a bit of trouble needing to get the remaining runs to get over the line. Now, as I mentioned him before, Matthew Wade, the finisher, he's become Australia's T20 finisher now, Matthew Wade. He made 39 not out off 29 balls, got Australia over the line with Mitchell Stark, they added 13 unbeaten for the 8th wicket, and Australia were able to win the first game of the series and lead 1-0 and to get the job done by 3 wickets. It wasn't a convincing batting performance, but without Matthew Wade, without Aaron Finch's partnership, and without Matthew Wade's finishing skills, Australia would have lost the first game of this series. So in Game 1, the batting was a bit scrappy. It wasn't really a polished performance. Now we head into Game 2, and it was a much better batting performance, I have to say. Um, Australia posted a very good score in Game 2, 7 for 178 from their 20 overs. A very good score in the end, because the West Indies weren't able to chase that down. And we'll talk about that a bit later when we talk about the West Indies batting performance in this series. Uh, but for Australia, uh, game number two was much better with the bat compared to game number one. Obviously the Gabba, different surfers, good bounce, good carry as we associate with the Gabba wickets over the years. Um, as a batter, when you get in, get set at the Gabba, you've got to make the most of it. And Australia definitely did that. Uh, Australia got off to a good start in the match. Uh... Aaron Finch and David Warner, the old opening partnership, but this time they weren't opening the batting together. Australia continued with Cameron Green to open the batting with David Warner, as it was in Game 1. They did the same thing in Game 2. And um, Mitchell Marsh wasn't playing in Game 2 uh, because he was getting ready for the first game against England for that T20 series, which is starting in Perth on Sunday. Um, so Aaron Finch was batting at number 3, and uh, he added 85 runs for the second wicket with David Warner. So at that stage, Australia were on track for a score around about 200 plus. But as we saw in game one, Australia had another batting collapse. And uh, just like in game one, Australia collapsed again. Uh, Aaron Finch got out for 15. Then it was David Warner for 75. He was looking good for a century and then got out. And then Glenn Maxwell's poor run of form continued. He got one um, in that second game. And he got run out by O.B. McCoy. Now, Australia were 4 for 100 in 12.3 overs. Didn't look like getting the big score. And all the good work and the foundation set by Warner and Finch was going to waste. But then enter Tim David. Now, that's why Australia wanted him in this um, T20 World Cup squad. Tim David went off. He scored 42 of 20 balls. He added 56 runs for the fifth wicket with Steve Smith. And majority of those 56 runs were off Tim David. Um, and that helped Australia to get to a score of 178 for 7 from their 20 overs, which in the end was a very good score. Tim David, a powerful hitter. We saw that in this second game with the bat. Um, he hit some very big sixes into the stands at the Gabba. And then obviously Matthew Wade finished off the job as well, adding his finishing skills as we saw in game 1. So... Australia's batting, bit of a mixed bag, as I said, in this uh, T20 series. And we saw in game number two, as I mentioned uh, earlier, that Aaron Finch batted at number three because of no Mitchell Marsh. So 
that's definitely an option for Australia going forward that probably Aaron Finch may bat down the order and probably, you know, someone else will open with David Warner. As it was in this series, it was Cameron Green, but no, he's not a part of the T20 World Cup squad. So it's definitely an option for Australia to, to do this. Um, Steve Smith's spot in, in the T20 side is questionable. Um, Glenn Maxwell's form is a concern. Um, so there's some questions for Australia. Their batting overall was a bit of a mixed bag, as I mentioned. So some question marks over Steve Smith. As we saw in Game 1, he was left out because Aaron Finch decided to bat at number 4. In Game number 2, he got his opportunity because there was no Mitchell Marsh at number 3. So Aaron Finch batted at number 3 to cover uh, Mitchell Marsh's absence. So question marks over his involvement in, in this side going forward, Steve Smith. Is he in the best possible 11 for the G20 World Cup? Uh, question marks on that. Also question marks about Glenn Maxwell's form. Two games, he made one run. Uh, which is not good enough. Um, Glenn Maxwell needs some runs going into the England T20 series before the T20 World Cup. His spot in this side is questionable. Um, but also a good sign for Australia that David Warner, Aaron Finch, Matthew Wade, Tim David are scoring runs. So that's very good signs for Australia going forward. So as I mentioned, Australia will be very pleased about how they batted in Game 2 of this series. In Game 1, it was a bit scrappy, a bit poor. And across the board, really, the batting performance was an okay performance. There's still a lot of work to do um, for Australia in terms of not losing wickets and having batting collapses, which will be a good start to try and prevent those going forward. But overall, they did quite well to try and win these two games, which they did. Um, a lot of people expected Australia to win these two games, and they did. But unfortunately, in Game 1, they got over the line just... Um, in game two, it was more of a convincing performance, batting first and setting a very uh, good score uh, to defend, which they defended well. Um, so, as I said, the, the batting was a bit of a mixed bag. So, a lot of questions for Australia to, to answer the to answer in terms of uh, going forward into the T20 World Cup. But um, I think Australia will be pleased about some batters scoring runs in Warner, Finch, Wade, and David. Uh, they will be concerned about Steve Smith and, and Glenn Maxwell in terms of their form going into this T20 World Cup. But overall, a, a very uh, okay batting performance from Australia against the West Indies in this short T20 international series. Let's talk about the Australian bowlers and how they performed in this T20 international series against the West Indies. Mitchell Stark was the leading wicket taker with six wickets. Cummins with four, Hazelwood with three, Green with two, and Sampa with one. That's how the Australian bowlers went about things in this series against the West Indies. I thought Australia's bowling across the two games was a bit of a mixed bag, just like the batting. In game one, it was okay. Um, in game two, it was a very clinical performance and a much better performance than it was in game one. So let's talk about the bowling performance in game one for Australia. They did well to keep the West Indies to 9 for 145 from their 20 overs. Uh, bowled well up front to take early wickets and put the West Indies uh, batters under pressure. But then the deft bowling towards the end of the innings was a bit off in the execution. They leaked a little bit um, of runs um, and didn't quite get it right. But as we saw in Game 1, we saw some good signs. Josh Hayeswood, Pat Cummins taking wickets. Now we know... Pat Cummins and Josh Hayeswood had a tough series in India, 
And um, they did well in the in the first game of this series. Josh Hazelwood picked up three for 35 from his four overs. And he picked up 50 T20 international wickets as well in the process. And Pat Cummins took two for 22 from his four overs. So very good signs that Cummins and Hazelwood are taking wickets. And they had a pretty good first game. Um, Ursa Mitchell Starr coming back from injury. He did well to take... Um, Two wickets for 40 from his four overs in that first game. Obviously, Mitchell Stark coming back from a knee injury uh, that kept him out of the India series. So, in game one, the bowling performance was pretty good from Australia. But the death bowling struggled a little bit in terms of leaking runs and mis-execution with the skills with the ball. Um, also, in game one, Australia dropped three catches. Mitchell Stark, David Warner, Adam Zampa dropped uh, catches. That's something that Australia need to work on. Uh, so that's what happened in game one with the with the ball. But overall, to keep the West Indies to 145 was a very good effort in game number one. Let's talk about game number two. And I thought game number two, the bowling was even better than game number one. A very significant improvement. Um, the bowling was good. Uh, they did well to keep the West Indies to eight for 147 from the 20 overs. Australia batted first in game two. And the West Indies were chasing 178, I should say, to win. Unfortunately for the West Indies, uh, they just lost too many wickets. And the momentum was gone in the innings and pretty much the match was over. Um, so the Australian bowlers did well to take wickets at regular intervals. They built pressure on the West Indies batters quite well. Uh, the bowlers are in good shape. Uh, Mitchell Stark took four wickets for 20 from his four. Josh Hazelwood didn't take any wickets, but he got none for 19 from his four. Pat Cummins got two for 32 from his four, and Adam Zampa chipped in with a wicket, one for 34 from his four. Um, so the bowling in the second match was very good for Australia. Um, in terms of the death bowling, it still needs a little bit of work. They leaked some runs in game one. They also did the same in game two as well. Um, so it's very important for Australia just to work on the death bowling, make sure we're executing the skills and executing the plans towards the back end of the innings. You really want to start thinking about getting that right, heading into a T20 World Cup. Uh, but apart from that, um, it was a pretty good bowling performance and uh, and Australia did very well in game number two with the ball. Um, they had a drop catch. Adam Zampa dropped uh, a catch during this second game. So that's four catches that Australia have dropped in this series. Three in the first game, one in the second game. Something that Australia need to look at in terms of going forward into the T20 World Cup you don't want to be dropping catches. You want to be hanging on to your catches, as the old saying goes in cricket. I know it's a cliche, but catches win matches. And it's exactly right. Um, so Australia, a very good fielding unit. They'll be looking to uh, rectify that going forward into the England series and also into the T20 World Cup. But as I said, overall, the bowling performance from Australia in this series was a bit of a mixed bag, just like the batting. But overall... It's, it's good to see the bowlers in Star, Cummins, Hayeswood and Zampa taking wickets. That's good signs for Australia going forward into the T20 World Cup. Let's have a look at the West Indies performance with both bat and ball in this T20 International Series against Australia and talk about their performance in this T20 International Series overall. Now, the West Indies in this T20 Series against Australia they were a bit poor across the two games. Their batting and bowling were poor. A lot of areas to work on. Um, let's talk about the batting first of all in the in the two games and then talk about the bowling. So let's talk about the batting first. 
Kyle Mayers was the leading run scorer for the West Indies with 45 runs. King with 35. Charles with 32. Smith with 31. Holder with 29. Powell with 25. Reefer with 19. And Puran with 4. That's how the West Indian batters went about things in this series against Australia. As I said, the batting was poor. Uh, the West Indies in both games struggled with the bat. And let's talk about game one. In game one, they were batting first. And they made nine for 145 from their 20 overs. Um, the batting was poor in that match in game one. There was no momentum in the innings. They lost wickets at regular intervals. Uh, one for 14, two for 48. 3 for 66, 4 for 75, 5 for 88, 6 for 101, 7 for 106, 8 for 122, 9 for 145. Uh, they lacked any significant partnerships. There was no real big partnerships in the innings. 14, 34, 18, 9, 13, 13, 5, 16, 23. So it, 146 was never going to be enough. And the West Indies did struggle with the bat in game one. Um, I thought the big standout in terms of the batting side of things was Kyle Mayers. He batted well for his 39 of 36 balls. He played a very good shot for six, as we've seen on many platforms on social media, people raving about that wonderful shot that he hit over cover for six. Um, he batted well in that match, unfortunately got out at the wrong time, and the West Indies had a bit of a collapse. Um, so in the end, game one, their batting was poor. And in game two... It was pretty much the same, really. Game two was even worse than game one. Um, in game two, the West Indies were chasing. So Australia set them 178 runs to win. It was always going to be difficult for them to chase that down, given how poor and vulnerable their batting is. Uh, lost wickets at regular intervals again, just like in game one. In game two, they lost them at regular intervals. One for six, two for 56, three for 62, four for 73, five for 92, six for 122, seven for 133, and eight for 143. Um, also, just like in game one, in game two, they lacked any significant partnerships. There were no big partnerships in the innings at all. 650, 611, 1930, 11, 10, and four um, no momentum in the innings whatsoever. They lost wickets, and they lost their way a bit, really. And uh, it was just a poor batting performance from the West Indies in Game 2 and also in Game 1. So nothing much to talk about their batting. Their batting was poor across the two games. There's a lot of work to do. The West Indies are struggling to do the basics well. We talk about that in cricket. Doing the basics well with both bat and ball. This West Indian team... They can't seem to do the basics well with the bat or with the ball. Now, they've lacked the basics with the bat in this series. Not enough strike rotation, not enough singles or twos. It was more a boundary, either hit a four or six, and not really thinking about what to do in between, how to construct an innings. It was more, you know, let's hit boundaries, fours and sixes, rather than get singles or twos. And that was a, a bit of the problem that we saw in the last T20 World Cup last year in the UAE. That's the problem that the West Indies had in the last T20 World Cup. They were struggling to do the basics well with the bat. And we saw in this series against Australia, the same thing happened again. The basics weren't there. Not enough strike rotation, not building partnerships, not constructing an innings properly. And um, really, there's a lot of areas for them to work on with their batting going forward. So there's a lot of 
soul searching, a lot of um, reflection for the West Indian batters going into the T20 World Cup. How can we get better? What do we need to get better at? And for the West Indies, it's just about doing the basics right. We've seen in this series against the Australians that some of the West Indian batters like Mayers, King, Charles, uh, Powell, um, they're very good. They showed us glimpses of brilliance in terms of shot-making, in terms of playing good shots, but they can't do that on a consistent basis. That's the problem with this West Indian side. They can't seem to put it all together in a complete performance. So going into the T20 World Cup, they really got to think about doing the basics well. If they don't do the basics well with the bat, they're going to struggle, as we saw in this series against Australia. Um, so plenty of work to do for the West Indies, but overall their batting in this series against Australia was very poor. There's some areas to look at and to improve on, but uh, overall it was a, um, a very underwhelming batting performance from the West Indies in this series against Australia. Let's talk about the West Indian bowlers and how they performed in this T20 series against Australia. Uh, Azari Joseph was the leading wicket taker for the West Indies. He took five wickets for the series. Two wickets for McCoy, Smith and Cottrell and a wicket each for Coraya and Holder. That's how the West Indian bowlers went about things in this T20 series against Australia. Uh, the bowling from the West Indies was very poor in this series. Um, it wasn't their best performance with the ball. Let's talk about game one. Now in game one with the ball, they did well to have Australia 5 for 58 inside 7.5 overs. Australia were under pressure. And the West Indies did well to have them 5 down for 58 inside 7.5 overs. Um, but the West Indies weren't able to finish off the job. And they weren't able to capitalise on that good start with the ball. For them to win that match, they set Australia 146 runs to win. That wasn't going to be enough. Even though the surface was a bit tricky at Metricon Stadium, um, it was still a bit you know, a lowest score. And Australia would chase that down given their batting. But the West Indies did well to have them five down inside 10 overs for 58 runs. Unfortunately for the West Indies, they could not finish the job off. The partnership between Aaron Finch and Matthew Wade of 69 for the six wicket got Australia back into the match. But once they got rid of Aaron Finch, Australia was six for 127 with three overs remaining. And, um... For the West Indies, they were in with a chance of winning that first game at Metricon Stadium. Unfortunately, their deaf bowling was poor and the execution was poor. And um, Australia were able to win the game. Matthew Wade doing what he does best, trying to finish off the innings. And he got the job done and Australia won by three wickets. Um, the deaf bowling was poor. Sheldon Cottrell was bowling the final over of the match. Unfortunately for him, he had two drop catches in the final over of the match, and the West Indies did not do themselves any favours when they put down two catches in the last over. Matthew Wade was the first drop catch. He was dropped by Raymond Rifa for 36, and then Mitchell Stark was dropped by Kyle Mayers for two. Now, you can't afford to drop catches in that moment of the match because if those two catches were taken by Rifa and Mayers... It would have been a different story. West Indies would have won the match. Unfortunately, that's where they lost the match, dropping those two catches. So they got the execution wrong. The fielding was poor with those two drop catches. And uh, it was a poor bowling performance. Um, in the end, didn't quite get the job done. 
Now, let's talk about game two. Game two was not really good as well in terms of the bowling. Uh, they lacked consistency with the ball, didn't build pressure with the ball. They had Australia four for a 100 inside 12.3 overs, and Australia made 178 runs. Now, if they picked up a couple of wickets here, Australia six down, seven down for 100, then you'll be saying, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be the West Indies to win here. Unfortunately, the bowlers leaked runs. They didn't build pressure. They lacked consistency. The partnership between uh, Tim David and Steve Smith of 56 runs for the fifth wicket pretty much uh, got, got Australia back on track. Also, David Warner's innings of 75 and his partnership of 85 for the second wicket between him and Finch um, were also uh, very key factors for Australia going to get that score of 178. So for the West Indies, they weren't able to finish off the job with the ball again. So it was a bit of a, a poor performance across the two games for the West Indies. Uh, so nothing much to talk about their bowling, really, the West Indies. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do. As I said, they've got a lot of good bowlers in this side. It's just about doing the basics well. Trying to hit a good line of length, hit the top of off stump, make sure we're executing our plans with the ball, make sure we're setting the fields right for each delivery against a certain batter, and making sure we do the basics well. Because if the West Indian bowlers do the basics well, be consistent, build pressure with dot balls, and take wickets when you can, hit the top of off stump, hit a good line in length, they can take wickets with this bowling attack. Their spinners did pretty well in this series. Um, Yannick uh, Karaya and um, Hussain, who played in game two, did a very good job. So their spin attack looks pretty good. It's just their pace attack. Joseph, McCoy, Smith, Holder, Cottrell, that need to really do well and, and try and get some consistency with their bowling because the West Indies... They are going to be tested with both bat and ball in this T20 World Cup. And they need to be, start becoming more consistent with their performances. But uh, as I said, their, their, their bowling in this series was poor. There's a lot of work to do going forward into the T20 World Cup. And there's also a lot of thinking for Nicholas Puran, the captain, and the coach and Phil Simmons to do in terms of trying to get this West Indian side uh, to perform at their best. They've got very talented players. It's just they can't seem to put it out on the park where it matters the most in terms of being consistent. They can't seem to do that. So for the West Indies, there's a lot of work to do. But overall, the bowling was poor. And overall, the performance from the West Indies in this series was very poor against Australia. A convincing 2-0 series win for Australia. Australia would be happy about this result but there are some areas to improve on with both bat and ball. But Australia will be pleased with how their T20 World Cup preparations are going. For the West Indies, a disappointing series for them. They have a lot of work to do ahead of the T20 World Cup. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get the latest episodes of the podcast, and like and share our Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, keep safe, and bye for now.